Coming up on today's show... Tomahawk Live is only days away, and the Browns helped us promote the show by winning a game. Thanks, fellas. Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network joins the show to talk football analytics and answer the age-old question. Can you measure that with an abacus? Waterboy censorship, Twitter trolls, and finding new ways to blame RG3. Ooh, all of this and much, much more coming up on another award-winning episode of The Tomahawk Show. It's Dom from St. Clairsville, Ohio. Every season has a defining moment. That moment when Baker did the forward pass, but they returned it for touchdown, so they called it back, and we ended up scoring. That right there was a defining moment for 2019 Cleveland Browns. I'm Jerry from Youngstown. I thought about not watching the game last week, but I ended up going to the game. And all I got to say is the Browns are going to go 10-6. And I can't wait to see you guys Wednesday at the House of Blues. Here we go, Brownies! Here we go! Woo! Here we go, Brownies! Here we go! This is Jake from Ohio. Celebrating this beautiful Brown victory right now with the Modelo in my hand. This shit is gorgeous. And I really look forward to seeing you guys Wednesday night the house of blues if you haven't bought your tickets buy them now it's gonna be a bit it's gonna be amazing man 100th episode it's gonna be beautiful and i'll also see you joe thomas on thursday night's football i'm going to the game after this like little tomahawk show you feel me you guys have a good night looks like they started early on the tomahawk drinking game i like it getting getting revved up for our 100th episode celebration in Cleveland, Ohio at the House of Blues on November 13th. There's still some tickets left, so if you haven't gotten yours yet, get it while the getting is good. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show. I am your host, Andrew Hawkins, joined by my guy, uh, NFL superstar Joe Thomas, 11 NFL seasons, 10 as a pro bowler, uh, three as a pain in my ass. Joe Thomas, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing uh, pretty good, man. It was a good weekend here in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Beautiful Badger game on Saturday. The weather was pretty nice and got to go for the first time of the year and actually do some tailgating, which was a lot of fun. So uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, it was a great week. You just say you got to go to the Badger game for the first time and do some tailgating because I've been to uh, plenty of Badger games this year, as you know, and uh, as you remind our fans here uh, (laughs) on a daily basis, how in order to get the team properly fired up, they got to make up Hall of Fames and put me in it. Uh, But no, this one was straight incognito. Okay, uh, threw the hat on, got into the parking lot with with the regular folks. Slammed some Coors Lights. Uh, didn't have any 73 Colches. Had a, had a couple Bloody Marys and a few snacks. It was great. It was a beautiful Saturday. And then spent the day with the kiddos watching some foosball. And, of course, the big Browns win, baby. Ten and six. Wow. I feel like those callers in the voicemail, man. We're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> was that not the greatest Browns voicemail of all time where the guy goes, I was thinking about just turning the TV off and not even watching the Browns, but instead I paid four hundred dollars and I got front row tickets and I went to the game and it was amazing. Yeah, I know, man. It's a roller coaster of emotions. Joe, are you more famous in Wisconsin or Cleveland? Uh, Cleveland by far, yeah. Wisconsin, yeah. I'm like, hey, uh, didn't you? Pl- you look tall <laughs> enough. You probably played for the Badgers of basketball, right? And I'm like. Yeah, I was on the basketball team. Yeah, no deal. Uh, we lost to Duke in the finals. Oh uh, man, I showed my, my son the water boy yesterday. 
We watched <laughs> The Water Boy, and uh, mm. he loved it. My son is seven. Now, I had to cover his ears and eyes on a couple parts. Mm. Had to hit the fast-forward button. I missed some. I'm not going to lie. I felt like a bad dad on a couple of them. A couple parts that I forgot mm. were in there. Snuck up mm. on me. Wasn't quite ready with the button. Uh, so that led to a couple yeah. more conversations for a seven-year-old. But the, the end result was he loved the football, and he loved, he loved Bobby Boucher as a linebacker. And then afterwards, he asked me if it was a true story. To which I told him, absolutely. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Of course. It was a documentary. Anyway, interact with the show on Reddit, Instagram, and Twitter at Tomahawk Show. Join our Facebook group, Tomahawk. Drop us a voicemail at 440-628-1376. Our favorite parts of the show. Uh, check out the video. We do a video, a YouTube episode, this episode right here, on Uninterrupted YouTube page. And the most important thing to talk about today is Tomahawk Live, mm. November 13th, mm. House of Blues. Mm. Doors open at 7. Tickets on Ticketmaster. House of Blues Cleveland. It's our 100th So We have a star-studded guest lineup. We have Michael Irvin, Hall of Famer. Steve Smith Sr., future Hall of Famer. Terrell Pryor, Ohio State Hall of Famer once they lift the band. John Greco, Toledo Hall of Famer. We got Phil Taylor, Hall of Famer in my heart. We got Ken Carmen. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but we'll say it. Colleen Wolf, Andrew Siciliano, NFD, Hall of Famer, and Fat Nat. We got the whole gang coming, man. It is going to be lit. People have been hitting me up like, hey, man, I'm coming to the show. I'm coming to the show. People are like, yo, can I get some tickets? I'm like, no, go to Ticketmaster. Buy your own like everyone else has to. We got to pay for people to come in there and do it. We're not making any money off of this. But make sure you're at the show. House of Blues is going to be lit. Joe, how excited are you? Scale from 1 to 10. 10 being the most excited you've ever been in your life. Dude, it's a straight-up 10. Like, we were used to being performers on the football field because that's what we did. You know, our whole life we yep. were athletes. And now we're going to be entertainers on a stage. Like, transitioning from being a football <laughs> player to being an entertainer on a stage is every athlete's dream, right? They always say that uh, musicians always wish they could be athletes, uh-huh. right? Remember, you always hear yeah. about, like uh, – the hip hop guys and the you know all the different artists that uh, always say, "Oh, I wish I could have been like really good at basketball or football or whatever." Uh-huh. And uh, dude, we're living the dream. We are. We are. We're in both buckets. A couple of now. schmucks that couple are going to be selling out the House of Blues in Cleveland. Uh, and speaking of, I already had to shut the faucet off to ticket requests for the House of Blues show oh. because I had so many people in Cleveland hitting me up saying, hey, man, can I get some free tickets? And I, at first I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We got plenty of tickets. Like I can give them out. And then last week, it must have been because, you know, nobody really cares about us, but all of a sudden we announced this guest list. And I think it <laughs> caught people a little bit by surprise how many people that uh, are humongous names and great storytellers and great yep. entertainers are going to be on this show that all of a sudden the requests came flooding in. (laughs) And I had to say, I didn't know you still had my number in your phone. That was really nice of you to make sure to hit me up when you need something. Right, LeBron. How about when I need something? All of a sudden when I need something, I don't get a call back. But uh, uh, I'm getting the text real fast when Tomahawk Live comes to Cleveland. Hey, man, listen. All I'm saying is get it while they're getting is good. It's going to be lit. All right, Joe, you teased it earlier, man. A lot to talk about today. A Browns win is a good thing to talk about. We've only God, had a couple opportunities to. It's time mm. to get into our favorite segment, Dog Check. Dog Check! All right, Joe, did you watch the game today? 
I did, man. It was uh, back and forth, like a lot of critical errors that had me throwing crap at my TV again, right. especially in that beginning of that game with uh, <laughs> the struggles on the goal line. I mean, how many goal line plays oh, does it gosh. take to score a touchdown? And uh, I was just in that foul mood again, I think still from the four losses in a row coming into this one uh, and watching Andrew uh, Hawk's face on TV <laughs> yesterday. By the way, first time of the year I got to see on Saturday morning, there which you, uh, you, you and Cynthia look wonderful on TV. And that Greg guy, he's all right. But uh, <laughs> we got Cynthia on our show today, Joe. That was a nice tease by you. You're a pro. We got Cynthia Freeland joining us today on oh. the Tomahawk show. No way. Absolutely. Fantastic. How about that? But yeah, crazy game, man. Did you get a chance to watch it in the midst of all those other games? I did, man. I was I was dialed in. My my biggest takeaway of this game, and we'll get into all the details, but the biggest uh kind of deciding factor in this game was Kareem Hunt. He really mm-hmm. did add a different element to the football team and it, it kinda the offense, even though they they sputtered, even though they didn't look great at times, it felt complete. I liked seeing Rashad Higgins. Rashard Higgins make the game-winning touchdown. A lot of conversations have been happening around him and whether or not he should be playing more or less, whatever. Um, but Kareem Hunt, you, you kind of – it rang through of the talent he has as someone that's not even close to getting going yet. Just in the past game, route running, running the ball. You've seen him as a lead blocker. Uh, this is a guy who's had a rushing title. So, you know, it's, it's a big addition to this offense, and it kind of it showed. Yeah, I agree, man. They continue to run the football really well, and adding Kareem Hunt, who had four carries for 30 yards, um, you can tell defenses are having the game plan for him already and having Mm -hmm. to account for him, which uh, is just giving other guys better opportunities to get open and less coverage. Um, Odell only had uh, five catches, no touchdowns, but he was another factor. You could tell they were really focused on taking him away, especially when they got down to the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the big takeaway for me with this team was they seemed to have gotten their swagger back. This is a good Buffalo Bills team, right? Yeah. They lost yeah. it in the last four games to some crappy teams. Um, but this team today played like they did when they beat the Ravens, uh, like, what, six weeks ago? Right. Um, and it seemed like Baker and all those playmakers got their swagger back a little bit. Like, I feel like they started getting that confidence and Hey, call me crazy, but I'm saying 10 and six, baby. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still saying now, I don't know if they could win uh, the division anymore with the way Baltimore has been playing, which, uh, hopefully nobody watched that Baltimore game because it was outrageous what Lamar Jackson did and what those Ravens did to the uh, the poor Cincinnati Bengals, which was embarrassing for those guys. But right. um, love to see Nick Chubb going absolutely crazy again today. Uh, the Browns offense continues, in my opinion, to improve, mm-hmm. but their struggles in the red zone and the goal line are becoming very, very obvious as a lack of experience and execution and a lack of attention to details uh, I'll give you two quick examples. I don't know if you got a chance to like really dive into this game like I did when I was watching it, but um, there was a moment when they were on the goal line and Jarvis was in like a stack. There was two receivers, and they tried to run a little rub and get Jarvis on a quick slant. Uh-huh. And the first receiver, I don't know who it was, I can't remember, didn't do a very good job of rubbing. It didn't do any job, really. He was just really horrible at uh, getting Jarvis's guy knocked off out of the way. And you could tell when Jarvis came to the sideline, he was really hot about it um, because he could see, I think, the details being missed just consistently in that goal line area, which is causing uh, all sorts of inefficiencies and inabilities to get in there and score a touchdown. Um, 
And then another time they were running with Nick Chubb. It was like a sweep around the right side on the goal line. Mm. And they had a lead blocker out in front. I think it was one of their receivers. And instead of putting his hat to the outside, like when you're running any type of outside sweep, and you remember this when Kyle Shanahan drink was the offensive coordinator, he talked all about how important it was for receivers to put your helmet to the outside number, outside armpit of a defender to force him to go wider because he's trying to protect his leverage and keep as wide as the widest. And so as soon as you put your hat outside, you get him to run. Now the running back can run to the pylon and then cut it up at the last minute for a touchdown. Well, the receiver comes through and he kicks out. And then when, as soon as he does that, you lose the stretch and then the running back gets pushed back inside to all where all the pursuit is. Um, And so it's just those little details that show up in the red zone and the goal line. Whereas you can out athlete people in the field, which is what the Browns have kind of been doing right Mm -hmm. now because they have so much talent that they're moving the ball really well. And they're, they're getting down into the red zone in the goal line, but then because of their inexperience and lack of details when they're down there, they're not able to punch it in. And the Bills being a good offense, but not a great offense, it didn't hurt them. They were still able to win this game 16 uh, for the Bills, 19 for the Browns. But if they want to make something of this season and they still think that they can get to the playoffs, the details in the red zone and the goal line need to go up tenfold. Yeah, but I, I mean, and that's not even a player thing, to be honest. I mean, it is a player thing because they have to execute it. Um but I feel like that's a, a coaching issue, right? And I don't, I, wanna, I don't wanna say a bad thing because they're trying to figure out how ways to even get down in the red zone. But like you said, like scoring in the red zone is the hardest place to score. I don't think people realize that. They just assume because you're close, it becomes easier. But no, mm. the field shrinks, the play calls become harder, everything is tighter, everything happens faster. Um, so the, like you said, those are the areas where the details really matter. And for an undisciplined football team, they don't have those details. And you mm-hmm. watched the Browns game, and there was, I think, at one point nine plays within the two-yard line, and they came away with no points. And that mm-hmm. was the reason, because the details on the offensive line, the details of the receiver, the details of the running back, every position on the offense, it just wasn't there, and teams were taking advantage of it. So, yeah, we, we, we snuck out with a win in that one. It was not pretty by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but, again, a W is a W. It is hard to win in the league, especially against a 6-2 and two football team. Uh, so, yeah, hats off to the Browns. Feeling really good, right? It's something they can build on. Now we have Pittsburgh on Thursday night football. The Browns have Pittsburgh on Thursday night football. We will be in the building, Joe and I. So obviously the last time me and Joe came in, they killed the Falcons um, <laughs> because we were in the house. So I, I expect Tom more of the Day. same. Joe, did you watch any of the, the Steeler game today? I did. Um, they look good. themselves too a little bit. They I, look Offensively. Good. Mason Rudolph, to me, still doesn't look like he's the long-term answer. No, but um, this is coming from a guy, sure. again, who said Lamar Jackson would be out of the league by now. So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> That's a great point. But Joe, Lamar continue Jackson about your quarterback. Critique. Probably the MVP of the league if you <laughs> voted today. Uh, so take it with a grain of salt, of course. But I will say that Steelers defense, they've kind of been um, under the gun a little bit to start the season. They weren't great. Mm-hmm. Dude, they picked it up, man. They're getting turnovers. Ugh. And when you're a defense, if you can get – steady two three turnovers every week that's a defense you can win with i don't care what happens on the rest of the time when they're out there when they're getting turnovers like that that's that's a team that can win because they're getting turnovers they're scoring touchdowns on defense they're getting sacks they make the rams offense today look amateur i mean they looked out of sorts their rams offensive line couldn't block anybody they've had some injuries but they still couldn't block anybody uh tj watt looks 
unbelievable, unstoppable. Right. Uh, makes me a little nervous for next week because our tackles have continued to struggle this entire season. And uh, so that's going to be one of those matchups to definitely watch going into the Thursday game uh, because he's a beast. Yep. And uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a great test for this offense to kind of see where they are. Great measuring stick because the Bills offense is good. Or excuse me, the Bills defense, defense is good. was yep. good. But the Steelers' defense, in my opinion, is another level up. Uh, and so it's going to take the Browns rising to the occasion, getting better on a short week, which is tough, especially for a young team, uh, if they want to be able to match the Steelers' defense. And I hope I hope the Browns players understand like what this rivalry means. And not just the rivalry, mm-hmm. just this game. I know we know division games are important. But the Steelers, they will bring like whatever their best is, it's going to be that because mm-hmm. they've been reading the hype. Um, I've talked to a couple of Steelers players, and they've been seeing the Browns get hype, and they're like, yo, we are still the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they've been chomping at the bit for this game, so I'm hoping the Browns players understand. And like you said, the Bills win is something to build upon. Is it weird? Because it's weird for me. Is it weird for you seeing Joe Hayden as an integral part of the Pittsburgh Steelers? I I don't like it. I hate it. I don't like it. I I love Joe as a teammate. Um, he was one of my favorite teammates because he was just always so positive and right. optimistic. And he always gave his all when he was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seeing him making plays like he did today uh, for the Steelers, it kind of hurts. And it I really feel like, does, man. Why is he not in Cleveland? That I just keep asking me. myself, oh, like, uh. why is he not a Cleveland Brown? He was one of those guys that should have been a Brown for life. Yes. And I know there was some injury concerns that they were worried about, but. I don't know. I feel like they just gave up on him too quick. Absolutely. I Maybe mean, the dude signed hindsight, two but. or three extensions in Pittsburgh already, right? And he's not like yeah. – he's not just there. He's making plays for them. And, yeah. you know, it's tough to judge a person when they're down on injuries and when he was in Cleveland at that time, like he had some injuries. Mm-hmm. But even when they traded him, he was bouncing back, right? And it's – you're right. He was just so Cleveland. He was so ingrained in the, the city of Cleveland, the community. He was almost guy. like – Yeah. It was almost like Josh Cribbs, man. Exactly. Another guy who's going to be at the live show on Wednesday, yep. 11, 13, House of Blues, Cleveland, 8 to 10 p.m. It's going to be epic. Did Josh I not say Josh Cribbs earlier? Ribs. I don't know, but he's there. Josh Cribbs is actually like he played when I came into as a freshman to Toledo. Josh Cribbs is like a Mac legend. He was a quarterback at Kent State. Oh, yeah. But like, you know, for him to go undrafted to the Browns and make it. He was in camp with one of my teammates, Lance Moore, and they cut Lance Moore, who ended up going to New Orleans, becoming a Ring of Honor member at the Saints <laughs> in their Hall of Fame. And Josh Cribbs made the team, and he should be a Ring of Honor member with the Cleveland Browns. But he was like a guy, when I'm in college, you look at the Mac guys and what they were doing, and it's like a ray of hope. Like, man, if I can just get my opportunity, I can make it. Josh Cribbs was 100% one of those guys. So we are super amped to have him at the House of Blues in Cleveland on 11-13. Real quick, let me put a bow on the Browns game because we talked about it a little bit. But yep. um, going back to the beginning of the game, did you see after Jarvis Landry caught that first touchdown and he got the 15-yard penalty for taunting? Uh, yes. What was your take? Do you think that was a good call? Because that would have been the story of the game had they not been able to win. Because right. if for those of you that didn't see it, uh, Jarvis Landry caught the first touchdown of the game, and after he scores a touchdown, he says something to the defensive back. The ref's right there, throws a flag, 15-yard penalty. They move the extra point back. Extra point gets missed because of the extra distance, the way it's curving. It curves outside the uprights, whereas if it would have been closer, it would have been good. So then because of the way the score was, um, they could have kicked the field goal at the end, and it it, it could have – shook out a little bit differently had they had that one extra point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was curious, 
I thought that play and that call by the officials was bogus. To me, yep. you don't go right to the flag when somebody's trash talking, especially after a touchdown like that. I thought it was way too quick, and it bothered me because the uh, one of the themes from the Browns this whole season is uh, on discipline, too many penalties, penalties at critical moments, and then that's what have been the talking point nationally. Like, well, look, you know, the Browns score a touchdown, they get a 15-yarder, but yeah. uh, to me it would have been unfair because I, I thought the refs – really were way too quick because I think there should be a healthy amount of trash talk, especially between receivers. And I, mean, football I imagine you had all sorts of trash talk out there. Like yeah. the ref's got to let that go. I, I don't yeah. think there was anything that uh, even approached a flag at that point, especially early in the game. Give them a warning, move on. Don't make a critical penalty call like that early in the game. Right. I, and I, I agree. There were other critical penalties for the Browns, too, that they need to address. But for Jarvis Landry, I would have been okay with that one because it was like a carryover from a couple plays earlier with a catch he had. And if you're watching the Browns, if you watch the Browns over the last two years, it is very clear Juice is the heart and soul of that team, man. Like, Oh, man, I love watching like, that. Play. I mean, he just plays so hard. He practices so hard. And you, you can just watch him play and see that he cares. And those are the guys that I always look to. So – you know, you never know that watching him get feisty and, and showing how much he cares, you don't know how that motivates the team. So even if that did affect the game, I would have been okay with it because, again, some of the plays that Juice made out there and just the way that he carries himself, it is special. And seriously, he, he's a guy that should also um, retire at Cleveland Brown because, again, it's clearly how much passion he puts into the game. So yeah, he de he definitely has a personality that matches the fan base, which has always been a reason that we've had players that have endeared themselves to the fan base in yep. Cleveland. The Josh Cribs is you know the guys that are just blue collar, they're willing yep. to run up in there and sacrifice their body, and they're doing it with passion. And Jarvis is one of those guys. Joe, you know what can be unpredictable? Tell me, man. Life. All right, <gasps> and you don't want to let that Boom! affect your bank account. Mind blown. Because we love money and we don't like giving it away. But whether you want to lower your monthly expenses and pay off debt sooner, Earnest Student Loan Refinancing has the solution. Do you have much student loan debt, Joe? You know, I was uh, one of the lucky ones that uh, I was on a full academic scholarship at Wisconsin. So mm. I'm not paying any student loans anymore. But if you're still paying the same rate you were when you graduated the odds are that you could reduce your monthly payment and save big. Mm. Hawk, even if you've refinanced before today's low rate environment, most people can save by refinancing again. And earnest is the easiest way to refinance your student loans. And it saves you time and money. And like you said, uh, me and you, we're an exclusive company because we love making money and we love yes. saving it. Right, and unfortunately, I'm not in your exclusive company because I walked <laughs> on my first season at Toledo, and I had student loans that I needed oh. to pay off when I got to the NFL, all right? So listen, if you were listening and you're like me, you had student loans, checking your new rate is fast and it's easy. All you got to do is complete a couple questions online. It takes like two minutes, and you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score, so nothing to worry about there. And if you qualify... Ernest offers customizable loan terms and no fees. You can even combine your private and federal loans. Imagine just having one single monthly payment with one low rate. Amazing. You know, if you've already refinanced a loan, that's no problem either because you can still be eligible to lower your interest rate again. Plus, the internet, as we all know, loves Ernest's customer service because they're rated 9.4 out of 10. The only thing higher than that is Tomahawk Show, which is 10 out of 10 Absolutely. on Trustpilot. So you'll always get the support you need from Ernest. All right, so listen. 
Start saving today. Our listeners, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan at earnest.com slash tomahawk. That's $100 cash bonus. Don't be mm. ridiculous. Go get it. When you finance a student loan at earnest.com slash tomahawk, you get a $100 cash bonus. Go to earnest.com slash tomahawk. Terms and conditions apply. Let's give a call to, to my girl, Cynthia Freeland, uh, one of our coworkers at the NFL Network hosts game day view with me twice a week. She is a mm. football and analytic genius. I'm talking about so many numbers your head will spin. I never know what she's talking about. Mm. So we're going to give her a call now and talk to her about everything pretty much. Hello? 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 Hello. You've reached the Tomahawk Line. Joining us now, analytic analyst. I say this every week on Two times a week on every show. Analytics analyst and expert and obviously the best co-host in the history of sports media broadcast, Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network. Cynthia, what up? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're doing our Sunday show, doing our thing here, just recapping all these games. The Browns won just like I predicted, right? Mm. <laughs> exactly. Wink, <laughs> wink. Wink, wink. I actually picked the Bills on our show for anybody listening right now because I've picked the Browns to win the last couple of weeks and I've lost every time. So I reverse jinxed myself. So I'm to blame. You're like the stripes in the end zone. Exactly. They got to be the right way. Gotta exactly. Got to get the stripes the right way. Exactly. Uh, joined here by Joe Thomas. Joe, say hi to Cynthia. Cynthia, great to see you again. Joe, what's going on? You need to come what's out to the NFL on? Network more often. Our no. green room, like during free agency, just wasn't enough fun. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to bring up. So actually, the first time we met was like in May or June this year, and uh, we were just both chilling in the green room after before Total Access, and uh, had some great conversations about offensive line, like nerdiness, oh, about like hip angles and oh, really wow. fun stuff that uh, it would have been a good nighttime story to put Hawk to sleep. But Jeez. me and Cynthia, we got into the weeds on O-line play and I loved it. Oh, man. So great to talk to you again. Listen, you don't often get the chance to talk to like probably the best all time. So I'm going to take that chance 10 times out of 10 and like make sure that like you hear, like you tell me something I can learn from. So I probably got more out of those few times in the green room than, <laughs> than like, I don't know, 10 hours of film. So thank what you. What do you say? More than the, the 15 shows we've done this week together, Cynthia? <laughs> I get it. Listen, the 15 are, we have, we've got the, like, we've got the jokes going on, right? But like, can you really talk about like hip angles and butts uh. for linemen? Cause I can, you know, Cynthia, <laughs> I can pick 1 million plus things that I would rather talk about than offensive line. play. <laughs> no disrespect to Joe, uh, but he knows me well. But hey, the Browns get a win today. Uh, you got a lot of attention this week from Browns fans for your take on Baker this past week on just his numbers. Uh, what's your take on how Baker has played this season? Well, the interesting part is that this game was kind of like, uh, like I said, we wrote this article saying, I wrote this article and we looked into it and I like verified it with everyone. We talked about it a ton, but what I was looking at, what we saw was that from a clean pocket, which is basically no pressure, the best the quarterback, the best situation a quarterback can be in, in terms of being under duress or not. He was the worst in the NFL. Next gen stats had him with the lowest passer rating. So I dug in a little deeper and basically what I found was that first down, there were tons of penalties, horrible first down situations. Right. He was in second and third in, in 15 plus more than any other person in the entire league, even though the pressure wasn't coming in his face as often, there, it, it was still a terrible situation because you're in an obvious passing down. Mm. And then to kind of combat that, 
they're actually calling the same play over and over again. So mm. it was kind of like a repeat of like, what's the thing where it's like it, the definition of crazy is like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting yep. a different different thing, right? Yep. And then in this game, you saw it kind of flip, right? You saw that he was able to do just enough, especially in that last drive of the game, connecting with Jarvis Landry and the deep passes, like deep left. It was like 24 yards to set up the touchdown in the end zone. He you know, the clean pocket rating was like over 108. So a significant increase from the, the weeks prior. We saw some different play call. We saw a little bit more separation and you saw Baker be able to do just enough to be able to beat the Bills. Mm. So, I mean, I mean and Browns fans ate it up, right? Because you were getting all these reports that, oh, Baker's not playing well. He's not, you know, uh, throwing it well when he has a clean pocket, but the penalties, the undisciplined uh, nature of the football team were, you know, long situations on first and second down and then also the play calling that that's probably more to blame than just the actual performance of the quarterback i mean look you you know more than like you guys know everything about the browns i'm sure you talk to everyone in the locker room you know all the inside stuff this is just stuff i can observe from the outside so it's kind of this like everything you know this like big pot of like stew and everything's kind of (laughs) boiling together and it just makes a whole mess right like it's not it's not just one thing. It's all of the things kind of together in this confluence of like ick. So we saw a little better than ick today. Did you get a chance to break down the Browns game today, specifically the goal line? Because that was a big uh, issue for them in today's game. They really struggled, especially early on in the game. They had multiple opportunities from the goal line. They were not able to punch it in. And I think there's been some conversation locally and nationally about, okay, is it? the coaching down there is it the play calling is it the execution or lack of execution is it the inexperience like what do you see has been the browns biggest issues when they get down to the goal line up to this point in the season and then specifically today's game the interesting part that i found like obviously i don't know what play was called i'm an outsider like i don't have their playbook i don't know but the things like i'm a little investigator so like the clues that i'm getting would lead me to believe that the, what, for whatever reason, they're not able to, on the goal line, call things that trick the defense, right? And your goal line plays are, most people, if you ask coaches, like, well, where, what should I look at to see if a team is really good or not? They're like, what do they do on third down? What do they do in the red zone? And then what do they do at the goal line? And so those are the three areas that kind of, when, when I ask coaches for help in my investigations into something, that's where they tell me to look. And when I looked into that, it seems like that one, the, the most logical fit there would be play calling because it doesn't seem to be tricky enough to throwing to be throwing defenses off balance. They, mm. they don't get those kind of open looks with a, you know, redirect to the other side and someone walks in for a touch on it. It just seems like everyone's getting gobbled up like right in the, in right on the goal line. And that's where some turnovers have happened in earlier games. In this game, I think Kareem Hunt made a big difference, especially as yeah. his pass catcher with tight ends being out. That was like, an interesting shift. You don't have kind of that dynamic. And then you saw Baker get the ball out of his hands quicker. You saw more rhythm happening. And then specifically like more towards the goal line, Kareem Hunt was keeping the defense off balance a bit more. So it was more kind of, you know, the impact of having this new chess piece that I think they, it looks like they're, I mean, at least it's one game sample size, so I'm not entirely sure, but he seems to be like their pass catching back going forward, right? Like let Nick Chubb have the carries and let, you know, in that dynamic, it, it kind of feels like last year a little bit like the Alvin Kamara to, you know, the Mark Ingram right. la- in, in, of the Saints of last year. 
And it's, uh, I mean, for Freddie Kitchens, it, it seemed the closest that he's been to his offense that a year ago when he had success. And I talked about it in the offseason, like, when they lost Duke Johnson, people didn't think it was that big of a deal because they had Nick Chubb. But the matchup, and you talked about it with Kareem Hunt, like they've needed a pass-catching running back who's a mismatch problem with linebackers and someone that can help Baker get the ball out of his hand quickly, which he did well a year ago, and that's what he's provided. This was the quickest he's had all season long. Wow. So if you add up all of the like time to throw, this was Baker's quickest game all season long. How, how so it was like 2.2 seconds was the average, and then which is like a full second or you know almost a full second faster than he had been in prior games. So that quick tempo like bared out in mm. the numbers. I'm interested to watch uh, from this point moving forward. It seems like to me when I'm watching their goal line and short yardage offense, they don't have a fullback. <laughs> and I think that's been hurting them a little bit because instead of when you have a fullback, a lot of times you can try some of the direct runs and you have a, a better opportunity at just going downhill on people. And without that fullback, I see a lot of slower developing plays along mm-hmm. the goal line. Like they ran in this game a couple times where they were pitching it uh, to Nick Chubb and he was trying to get outside and circle the defense, which in the open field, that's one of those runs where it either goes for minus two or maybe 20 yards. Right. And I don't think it really fits well on the goal line. And um, I'm interested to see now that Kareem is back, if they're going to try to either put a, a tight end back there and get some more of these direct runs or maybe just start spreading them out. Like I think that almost might be their best option moving forward is instead of trying to get a bunch of people packed in in the goal line in those short yardage areas where they've struggled – Look at all these weapons you have. Right. right. Let's just spread them out and then just pick a side. Like, okay, we've got Kareem Hunt and Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and Nick Chubb. Like, these are all guys that are going to win their one-on-one matchup. So maybe instead of getting the closer you get to the end zone, the tighter you get with all of your people, maybe let's just keep them spread out. Like, I remember watching Peyton Manning um, when he was back with the Colts, and I, I can hardly ever remember them getting into, like, a goal line short yardage offense because they didn't really play with a fullback. But when they got down there, if they were looking for a quick hitter, it was like a, a trap or if or it was a, a halfback dive. It was something that would happen really quickly, and they didn't try to bring everybody in because they knew that if the box ever got heavy, they could just throw it to somebody on the outside one-on-one. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see how the evolution of the Kareem Hunt utilization continues to move no, absolutely. forward. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you on that. I think that's, I think that's really interesting, and I also think so – the two things like near the goal line and then in time situations, the two quick fixes for the Browns would be, like you said, like changing play calling near the goal line would be the first one. And then they call timeouts in really odd situations. So clock management would probably set them up for a little bit better success. And I'm not even talking about wacky, like, you know, analytics, Twitter being like, you must do this. There's no chart for everything. The best plan that you can have is one that you had prior to the game starting so that every player is on the same page. Like, you see the Ravens, they go for it on fourth down a lot, right? But not because they're like, you know what, John Harbaugh is like, you know, this analytics guy in my ear, he said I should go for it on fourth down. What they do is, in their install, <laughs> in their install, they're like, if this is a situation because Patrick Mahomes can score on you in five seconds or whatever, then we're going to go for it on every fourth down because then we can get ahead of them by one possession in X possessions, right? So they, they make all of their players aware of the strategy ahead of time so that it doesn't feel like this strange thing that you weren't expecting, right? Mm-hmm. Like this chart somewhere said, like I hate when people say analytics people are like that because maybe some are, but not the good ones, right? Like the good analytics people are like, hey, like let's create a strategy. Like 
ahead of time. And then, by the way, here's our plan B if, like, everything goes messy. But, like, let's start with this great strategy. And where you take your timeouts is a part of that pregame strategy. Because if you're taking these timeouts in odd situations, then at the end, you're asking Baker Mayfield to go down the field, like, pretty quickly – Maybe they're not in a good rhythm, or maybe they are. You, you, you're setting yourself up right. for like you're not setting yourself up for like optimal success like that, right? So it's like these are the two things that, from like a, a strategy standpoint, that I'm seeing. Like, like I said, doing my investigations, those two things: goal line and when then clock management. No, absolutely. You talked about Lamar Jackson. I have a question for you now. This has been a point of contention on this show because Joe went to the Bill Polian School of Scouting, so he said that Lamar <laughs> Jackson would fizzle out of the league before this season was over. Um, and here we are, and Lamar is probably the Ooh, leading, leading candidate for MVP. What do you think about Lamar Jackson? And like for like what you do as far as number wise, what does it tell you about what he does to a defense? Listen, you are setting me up for like a really nice spike here Let's because the best analytics staff in huh. the NFL actually resides for the Woo. Ravens, and the reason they're the best, yeah. Though if you look top to bottom, the whole staff, like the the. The best, the single best analytics mind play, it works for the Cowboys. The best analytics team, like the entire group, are the Ravens. And what they do best is they create a cohesive strategy. So they, they all work together, which, God forbid, in football, people work together. Who knew, right? And <laughs> they work together to create a, set, a strategy that works. Like you bring Greg Roman in, and then you bring in the right pieces to surround this talent because this is the type of, you know, this is the type of offense we're going to run. This is the type of defense that we're going to run. We're going to get rid of C.J. Mosley. We're going to get rid of, um, you know, we're, we're going to change Preston Smith going to Green Bay. Like, we're not going to pay for these people. We're going to, pay, you know, double down on our defensive backs or whatever it is. And they create a cohesive strategy. Like, before the season, they were either going to win three games or 13, right? They weren't going to be 8-8. Eight eight. So it was, it's, it's creating a cohesive strategy for the pieces that they are. And Lamar Jackson changes things because you can't plan for Lamar Jackson the same way you plan for Aaron Rodgers. Right. You can't plan for this offense the way that you plan for, you know, and I say Aaron Rodgers specifically because he's really good at improvising because they're not doing the same thing. Lamar Jackson isn't improvising like Aaron Rodgers with that, like crazy, like you never know what he's going to do. Right. right? It's Lamar Jackson's like you're going to he's going to look to run and he's going to look to run and he's also going to look to pass. But like he also know he always can run. So he's going to do that, you know, like, so it's, it's Greg Roman setting him up for success. And that's why you see two touchdowns to Mark Andrews this week, yeah. right? Because that was, that was the design. You knew Mark Andrews ahead of the season, Mark Andrews, cause I, I did sidelines for the Ravens ahead of the uh-huh. season and Mark Andrews had the season. I'm like, he's going to be their leading receiver hundred wow. percent. And I'd be damned. You were right. But it's all about creating the strategy, right? Like your your podcast works because the two of you play off each other so yeah, well, right? If if you had like two people that were the yeah, same, yeah, I think you're right about that, right? So That's it's all about setting on. yourself up. So like the analytics of your podcast are like, how do the two work yeah. together? If you don't work together, then it's going to be a crappy podcast. Sure. And uh, some would argue that it's a crappy podcast, uh, but we no, we, <laughs> not anyone on this podcast, not anyone listening. That's that's what I'm talking about. Hey, Cynthia, I got to ask you, I know how hard it is to work with Hawk here on the podcast game, but being on TV, you know, Hawk, he's kind of a fancy dresser and, you know, maybe he, he's a little nicer to the people around him. He's a great dresser. It actually intimidates me. Yeah. Yeah. When he gets on the TV set. It intimidates me. He's such a good dresser. He becomes the phony that we all know he is. So what's it actually like working with Hawk on the NFL network? Spill it. So, all right. I'm going to tell you a story. A couple, oh, geez. 
when they first told me that when we first were like talking about this show, which by the way, I'm, I'm, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. Like they didn't tell us what the name of the show was. <laughs> they didn't tell us like literally anything. So it's like, it's a game about, it's a show about game picks. That's kind of like the direction that we right. got. So the first day we got into the thing, we're sitting here at a rehearsal and both me and Hawk look at each other. We didn't know the name of the show. <laughs> Hawk's like, hey, um, what's the name of the show? <laughs> He's like, we're about to start and we're about to like introduce it. He's like, just, just a question. What's the show called? <laughs> Literally a day before it goes on like live television like we're we didn't we had know no idea. i didn't know either it's like nobody knew and i was too chicken to ask so <laughs> it was pretty it's like hey you guys should meet each other and also learn the name of the show we're on in five four three <laughs> <laughs> all right so it's incredible uh, and by the way your ifb your your audio is not going to work yes so, exactly you know what Enjoy. Our audio never works. All right, so Cynthia, by this point, you are familiar with the catchphrase game. We have actually a clip of you getting introduced the to the catchphrase game. game. Can we play it? Go ahead. But they're taking off against an incredible defense right. that Robert Salah has firing on all cylinders, and we know Papa don't play that. So I got the 49ers getting the easy <laughs> don't play. He doesn't. Yeah. yeah, Cynthia was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, she's looked at me before like, this dude is a yahoo. In that moment, she was like, okay, someone needs to take his mic from him. <laughs> no, I was like, this just got so much better because he finally, like, like, we finally like are playing with each other. It's way more fun that way. Did Hawk warn you before the first time that he dropped one of those catchphrases? No. I mean, I was aware that there was like a catchphrase thing, but I didn't know that like it was, just, it had to be, I didn't know the rules. So like, I didn't know it was going to be like on every broad, like that you had to do it on kind of every broadcast. So I was, I like, I didn't, I didn't quite know all of the rules. So the first time it kind of came, I, I'm like sitting here and like, pop it up. Like, it was so funny. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't warn them. I was just like, just saying <laughs> random dumb stuff week in and week out. And I'm sure they're all like, yo. I mean, that's fantastic. Like, what is he talking about? And that one kind of, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So it's literally the best game I so, can imagine. So the catchphrase is on brand for Hawk's normal <laughs> stupid stuff that he says. Yeah, it was just regular. No, I love it. I, I almost this week made Steve Smith fall <laughs> out of did. his chair with the catchphrase. I mean, the, I the, the, the phrase Twitter, this week was great. When I dropped the cucumber scientist one, he lost his mind. And they know that we, we play the catchphrase game because Colleen's usually getting in on it. Yeah. Uh, and he's chuckled before, but this one really <laughs> almost killed him. No, this one killed me too. And our producer got in my ear when he first said that he, <laughs> when, <laughs> when Hawk was like, I'm not, I'm no cucumber scientist. And our producer goes in my ear, gets in my ear and goes, what? <laughs> 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 well, watching you this week, Joe, and watching Steve Smith laugh uh, uncontrollably for like a minute and 30 seconds, I thought to myself, this is when we're all going to get fired because there's no way they're going to just let him do this for uh, a minute and a half on their biggest broadcast of the season, and we're just making big jokes mm -hmm. out of it. But that leads me to our next point. I love it's it. time to choose our catchphrase game. We're actually gonna choose this one in our live show on Wednesday, but here are the early favorites. First off, can we get a commitment from you right now, Cynthia, that you will use the catchphrase once in. in. Okay, love in. it, she's in. Yes! Are you gonna be, come on, it's a All given, right. it's so a we, given. I'm I love in. it, so Cynthia's in. So here are the early submissions. We're not choosing tonight, we're gonna choose it the live show in Cleveland on Wednesday, but the submissions early on, the early favorites are, they're on the gravy train with biscuit wheels, that's number one. Number two, <laughs> okay, okay. fighting like two dogs in a bathtub. That's number two. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> he's playing like someone sneezed in his Cheerios. It's getting weird, I know. I don't even know if Peter will let us use this fourth submission, but it's there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, oh. but only one way to stuff a turkey. Those are oh my gosh, the I early things. Wait a minute. So, here's my here's favorite. my only like my only asterisk there. Do you think maybe because of the turkey reference, maybe like push that back a week or ah, two to like smart. get the Thanksgiving theme like really nailed that's in there? Smart. That's why we bring the brains on. The only smart one out of the three of us. No, I, I'm just no, I'm just saying because then like then you've got like because that's a real winner. But you don't want to like you don't want to shoot your yeah. shot too early because yeah. it's like almost turkey time. You're, you know? it's, you're exactly right. So asterisk put it there. That's going to be the mm. following week's catchphrase game you can lock it in and we will pick this week's on wednesday and cynthia will join us all right cynthia we appreciate you joining us and for your first interview on the tomahawk show long time coming and we truly appreciate you taking the time thank you so much for having me and by the way can you get some sleep please i feel so bad (laughs) for you we i think you were i saw you at like seven in the morning what are you still doing oh man imagine what my kids think they have no idea what hardest working man in show business i love it hardest working man in show business the king of digital media for a reason (laughs) all right appreciate you joining us cynthia we'll talk to you soon thanks a lot cynthia bye Shout out to Cynthia Freeland for joining us, man. We actually do have a lot of fun week in and week out. We do a show every Thursday, every Saturday on TV, and every Sunday, Game Day View. So check us out. Uh, Check your local listings for everybody and catch the Tomahawk catchphrase. Somebody tweeted me last night. They watched the re-air of our show uh, yesterday, and he tweeted me and he said, Hey, at Hawk, you got to pay credit to Joe Thomas for that pickle line. That wasn't yours. You stole it. And I'm like, oh, you must be a big fan of the Tomahawk Show, bud. Appreciate, appreciate you calling me out there. All right. It's time for another edition of uh, Am I Shipping? All right, Producer John, what do you got? The Ravens ran an option play today with Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and RG3. When asked what it was called, Lamar told reporters, quote, Heisman package. It was dope. <laughs> Am I tripping or is running a play with three Heisman trophy, trophy winners the ultimate flex? That is the most balling and shit I've ever heard in my life. I didn't even put it all together till right then. Uh, I was going to say I blame RG3 for it not going for a touchdown. <laughs> uh, but, yes, that is an ultimate flex. Joe, what do you got? That's awesome. I've just got this, like – weird crush on Heisman winners. So even though it was the Ravens, I love seeing those three dudes in the same backfield. Uh, actually, I collect Heisman Trophy winner jerseys, college jerseys. Really? And uh, signed ones, of course. Oh, and yeah. I like to put them up uh, into uh, my, uh, yeah, there you go, <laughs> in my basement. And uh, so I just love this. This was this was cool, man. The Ravens are just having too much fun right now. It's, it's, it's about time that somebody knocks them back down to earth because what they're doing is ridiculous. I think Lamar Jackson only had like two passes hit the turf today. Yeah. And he also led their team in rushing, and they won by like a gazillion. Yeah, it was the Bengals, but they're still an NFL team. Right. And Kinda. you shouldn't be doing what they did to this poor team out there. And uh, I'm willing to admit it. Lamar Jackson is looking amazing. He's throwing the football really well right yeah. now. And I, I'm not uh, too proud to say that I was wrong about him nice. as far as the uh, quality quarterback goes because he is the MVP of the league right now. If you're voting today, 
you vote Lamar Jackson league MVP. Now, who knows where it'll be towards the end of the season. Right. Um, but And I still have injury concerns long-term when your quarterback is a run-first quarterback. But uh, as far as performance, I don't think anybody can argue with what they're doing right now. He is just playing on a different level. And I don't understand um, these people that say, like, oh, this is what the new-look quarterback in the NFL is going to look like. No, you're wrong because nobody else coming out of college since Barry Sanders was this athletic. So you can't just be like, oh, yeah, now every quarterback coming out of college is going to look like this dude because we ain't never seen a dude that look like this since Barry Sanders. The way he makes grown men, professional football players, making millions and millions of dollars for their athleticism look like little children out there. No, he I does. mean, he's running around like it's a video game. But, I mean, there is something, too, that, like, when you have a quarterback now, when I see teams with just a pocket quarterback who can't, move in the pocket and or scramble or run you're like ah oh, man they they are sure are missing an element which wasn't the case 10 years ago or five years ago even when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady's were the were even Aaron Rodgers they looked at Aaron Rodgers like oh he's athletic because he can get out of the pocket he can run for a first mm-hmm. down when he needs to if you look at the top quarterbacks now and you rank them the 80 percent of them are dual threat quarterbacks who can both run or at the very least, get out of a pocket. Even Baker Mayfield. The thing that makes Baker Mayfield special is that he can buy time with his legs. He might not be an elusive runner like Lamar or Deshaun or Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson or any of these other guys, but he does have a mobile aspect to him, and I think that's it's going to be the new wave of quarterback. When's the last quarterback that became a franchise quarterback that ran a 5-0-40 or slower? You just don't see it anymore, though, and I think your point yeah. is really valid, though, because – to have the element of running the football when you drop back to pass, whether it be the quarterback takes off or whatever, mm-hmm. um, is such a valuable component of an offense that if you can't do that as a quarterback, your passing has to be so much better in order to still justify putting you out there. Right. Um, and actually, that's what was really hurting the Chargers earlier on in the season. If you saw how their offense was playing, Philip Rivers can't run a lick. I mean, he's less athletic than I am at my age uh, <laughs> in my broken down state of life here. <laughs> and without the running game, when Melvin Gordon was back but wasn't playing well, they had no threat. To run to move the ball on the ground. And so right. defenses coverage wise, they can change, they can put more of their resources and their time into different pass coverages, which makes all those passing windows much smaller. Whereas if you have that threat of a running game that's really good, or a quarterback that can escape the pocket and can hurt you with their feet, defenses are just much more limited with what they can do. And I think teams are realizing that and and we're seeing that too what's happening in the college game with all the spread offenses and the quarterbacks being required to run and nobody's really running a pro offense anymore. You just don't see any quarterbacks going from college to the pros that can't run at least pretty well proficiently. What about Jared Goff? He's Mm. he's probably the last guy. And he's, I don't, I mean, he got a big contract, but I don't, People would argue that yeah. he's not in the top 10 quarterbacks. You know what I'm I saying? I think the Rams fans after the game today against the Steelers <laughs> yeah. are probably arguing he's not a franchise quarterback because right. he did not look very good at all. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Luck, who was even the the knockout draft prospect, he was a guy that's still super athletic and, and could take off when he needed to. All right, what do we got next? The Browns released Jermaine Whitehead after he threatened fans on Twitter in one of the all-time Twitter Ugh. rampages an athlete has ever had. You absolutely hate to see it. Am I tripping, guys? Or should players simply stay off Twitter during the season, especially after a loss? Yes, absolutely. That was my motto when I played. 
uh, when I was a kid, my brother obviously played in the NFL. He played with the Bengals. The Bengals back then were like the Browns in the worst years you can think of. The Bengals back then were like the Bengals now. Right, so <laughs> I was twelve years old. Let's go full circle. The, inter- the circle <laughs> of life. The internet was new, and I'm like, oh man, my brother's in the NFL. It was the most awesome experience ever. A lot more fun than when you actually play in the NFL with somebody really close to you playing. And so I would look up everything on my brother. I would, I would Yahoo him every day because Google wasn't the thing back then. Yeah. Yahoo <laughs> was the search engine of choice. So I would Yahoo him daily, and I would find these message boards from Bengals fans, and they would be killing my brother. Right, like, because the team was so terrible, right? That everybody, you know, the terrible team, everybody sucks. So they would be just murdering my brother on the internet. So when I got to the NFL, me remembering that and how pissed off it made me as an 11, 12, 13 year old, I completely stayed away from it. Like during the season, I would essentially just cut it off. Like bad, bad games or good games too. Very rarely would I even cut it off in good games because I just. I just did not want to care about what any, anything anybody had to say. Um, it's just becoming harder and harder as it becomes more a part of society that players are young. They're 20 years old. They've had social media since they can remember. Like, so it's not as easy for them just to turn it off as it is Joe Thomas, who, you know, is basically like a caveman um, living in Wisconsin. <laughs> Thank you. I that convinced him nice to get on thing Twitter. Anybody's ever said about me. Yeah. I so like, I, I will say. I totally agree. There's no reason to be on social media when you're a player. Uh, people m- maybe would argue, well, you can make money, you know, branding and marketing yourself. Let me tell you something. All right. Unless you're Odell Beckham. And it, if Odell Beckham didn't have Twitter, it really wouldn't affect his marketability. It might make it better. His be brand is what you do on the field. Like as a football player, you're making millions for what you do on the field and you're making thousands, m- single thousands off right. the field marketing. So, just to give up that small, small pot of marketing dollars that you're making by giving up social media, you'll probably play so much better that you'll make tenfold on the field more than what you're giving up in the marketing dollars off the field. And there's two problems with social media when you're a current player. Both big problems. One is you read what people say about you when they're saying good things, and then you get your head too big, and then you forget about all the work that it took to get you where you were, and so you kind of let your foot off the gas pedal a little bit because then you think you're better than you really are. Or two, when you have one bad thing happen, then fans are jumping all over you, and then you get mad, and then you think you're worse than you really are, and you're taking into account people's opinion that doesn't matter because when you're a player, the only person's opinion that matters is your coach. You're trying to please your coach. He's the one that tells you exactly what he wants to see from you, and that's the person that you need to listen to because the guy that's sitting at home on the couch really doesn't know what your responsibilities are and what your role is within that team. And so listening to what he has to say is only going to poison your mind further and keep you from going out and doing your job to the best right. of your ability. So unless your coach uh, sucks. both. Yeah. Yeah. Unless your coach sucks, then in that case you're doubly screwed. So yeah. <laughs> uh, either way, don't do the Jermaine Whitehead and give death threats, uh, racist death threats to the media because yeah. uh, apparently it doesn't turn out very well. Nah, it doesn't. It doesn't. What do you got next, John? The Jets beat the Giants in one of the ugliest, saddest pro football contests in recent memory. These teams are combined four and 15. Both coaching staffs and front offices have come under fire this season. Am I tripping, guys, or do the Jets and Giants both need to clean house? You are tripping. And as much as I hate talking about the Giants because you're a Giants fan, and that's the only reason why I hate talking about the Giants, um, you make the rundown, so we have to talk about it. But I will say this. The Jets, 
look like a problem, right? Like they're not good, and mm-hmm. their coach hasn't gotten them to play better, regardless of the moves they've made or haven't made. When I look at the Giants, on the other hand, they also aren't great, but they have a bunch of young players making a bunch of big plays. Like I look at the Giants team and I see hope because you have a rookie quarterback who was learning on the fly, but he has showed a lot of promise. You have Saquon Barkley, one of the best running backs in football. He had a slow day today, but he's still a man amongst boys. You got Slayton, who was a rookie. You got Ingram, who was a young guy. And Golden Tate is like fine wine. That that dude plays well everywhere he goes. So he might not be there for the future. But regardless of that, you look at the Giants, I feel like they just have young players who are going to develop into a, a real, like, threat in the NFC in general and let alone in the NFL. It was very obvious that our man John is a giant yeah. Giants fan. We get that because... one random Giants question a week that we're like, why are we talking about this? Only an NFL fan would say that the game is ugly and sad when there was only 13 total penalties. There was only two turnovers between both teams. First of all, the Browns are averaging more turnovers than that themselves and more penalties themselves during that game. So it's not like it was that sloppy. Uh, Daniel Jones threw four touchdown passes and And zero interceptions. Yeah, he had three fumbles. I think he lost maybe one or two of them. Uh, But it could have been that ugly and sad except the team lost. His rookie quarterback... Threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. And he's like, should everyone be fired? <laughs> this is bullshit. I stand by but, it. <laughs> but that's what, that's what we love about fans, right? They're just totally irrational on both sides. And that's why I think the Browns are going 10-6 and six and they're going to win the division. <laughs> I love it. Next question. <laughs> All right. Let's dive again to our run-pass option. Run it or pass it. Run it. Run-pass run, run, option. Do we vote on what Joe's penalty should be when he messes the rules up? Was it death? Or was that my thing? Uh, it's already death if I go overtime, so we okay. should probably come up with something that doesn't uh, double jeopardize Tor- Torture your, sco- your corpse, maybe? Rumpelman's shots at the I don't show? get a proper burial. <laughs> right. You got to do uh, Jaeger Rumpelman's bomb. shots? <laughs> I got to do the, f- what is it, the three wise men the hard way? Yeah. Ooh. You're going to do a headstand mm. on stage at the Tomahawk Live show, and I'm going to pour bourbon down your nostrils. <laughs> Every time... <laughs> You mess up the run pass option. So, so death is if yes. I go over time, and then how I die yeah, this is, is just, if I interrupt Now I'm just getting just specific getting on how. I'm going to waterboard you with bourbon, <laughs> not in your mouth, in your nose. <laughs> oh, and they man. don't even let people like that at Guantanamo get treated like that. I know. This is Tomahawk show, baby. There are no rules. So in this, in this segment, what we do is producer John tees up a topic, and we either run with it and talk about it, or we pass on it because ultimately we don't care it'd be great if the fans could do that if we had that segment all right so john tee us up dolphins extend winning streak to two games in road victory over colts joe run it or pass it i'm gonna run it it's amazing to me that the dolphins being a team that is attempting to tank can't even do that well i mean at least when the browns were tanking we were really good at it we won one game yeah. in two years nobody tanked like we did yeah. and we're, I'm very proud to say that we were able games. to lose when we had to <laughs> and the Dolphins they suck at losing they're putting Ryan Fitzpatrick out there who everybody knows is going to beat some really good teams at least four or five times a year and then he's going to lose to some crappy teams at least yep. four or five times a year so what you're definitely going to get with Ryan Fitzpatrick the only thing we know about that guy is three things one he's got a great beard two he is <laughs> definitely not good enough to take you to the playoffs because he can't play consistently good and three he definitely is the worst quarterback of all time to tank with because he's going to go off and throw like four or five touchdowns 
at least a third of the games in the season, and you could beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, you could beat the New England Patriots, you could beat the San Francisco 49ers. Don't tank with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Dolphins, you guys are idiots. Every time he goes over. I didn't even hear it that time. You didn't hear the dinger? I was making too many good points. <laughs> <laughs> Story of your life, Joe. Story of your life. All right, do I want to run or pass with this? That is a good question. No, Joe just summed it up perfectly. Pass. Hawk passes. Packers outpace Panthers in Lambeau Snow. Hawk, run or pass? I'm going to run with this one. And I am not going to talk about the game at all because I genuinely didn't watch it. Um, and I honestly, I didn't care. But what I'm, what I'm saying is I came home from a long day of work slaving over a hot mic at the NFL Network. <laughs> I walk in and I turn the TV on and the first thing I see is a snowy football game. And the number one feeling that rushed over me was like, thank God I don't play in the NFL no more. I hate cold games. I hate snow. I, I made my mm. wife turn the channel because it gave me anxiety watching receivers try to catch the football in the snow. Thank you, Lord, that that part of my life is over. I love it, but I'm so happy I'm done. All right. Inspiring words there, Hawk. Joe, <laughs> run or pass? Uh, I'm going to run it just because I want to get your runs out of the way so you can <laughs> take all of mine. <laughs> Wouldn't you enjoy playing in a game with snow because then your expectations to catch the football is less? So if you drop it, you have a built-in excuse like, ah, oh, well, it's snowing. I mean, of course I'm not going to catch that pass. It's snowing. Uh, I would think you would hate perfect conditions because then the nope. expectation is catching. And uh, if you don't catch, then you get fired. So I am the kind of person, you can cut the clock off because we're just BSing at this point. I don't want to kill Joe in front of the audience. Um <laughs> So I would I would say no because when the weather is conditioned, I have an advantage because I'm quicker and faster than everybody else. I know I can do what I do in those conditions. And more importantly, there's something to look forward to. As in, if I perform well the way I know I can in conditions, there's another contract. If every game was snowy and I did have the built-in excuse that, oh, the weather was shitty, I would be like, I'm already making the money for this season and clearly I'm not going to have any stats to go further so what is the point of even trying? So that would be my problem with a snowy game because it would basically be like, hey, this is the last year you're going to play in the NFL. Because without stats, when you're four foot eleven, people aren't going to be like, yo, man, we want you to come play for our team. We love the way that you drop passes and blocked. That was awesome. Join us. Yeah, no. Fair so enough. there you go. All right, next topic. Stuff. Pittsburgh wins fourth straight. L.A. leaves P.A. with an L. Hawk, mm. runner to pass it. I think I gave my Joe Hayden take was pretty much the hottest take I had on this game. So I'm going to pass it. I'm going to pass as well. Um, it was hard seeing Joe Hayden have a good game in a Steelers jersey. Chicago bears down in 2013 win over Detroit. Joe. Hold on. Run that back. I'm going to run it. <laughs> oh, we iced the kicker. I iced Joe out so I could run it. I'm going to run it. Here we go. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. I want a new co-host. Maybe. <laughs> Is he in the running for defensive player of the year? Because the the Steelers traded what could be a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, and everyone called them crazy. And he has completely turned not only this defense, the team around. He has five interceptions. I think he has like three touchdowns this season. He has literally taken over this defense and showed that a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick was pennies. There are 31 other teams that should have also made that call because, again, that dude is balling out of control. He had a clutch pick on a Joe Hayden breakup and a, a pick six today. 
big deal for the Steelers, man. And they have a chance at the AFC North still. All right. There you go. How many runs I got left? One left. All right. All right. Good. One good. per. Good, good, good. Chicago Bears down in 20 to 13 win over Detroit. Joe, run it to pass it. Pass. Matt Nagy for coach of the year. One week after he was getting fired <laughs> by everybody. Hawk, run it to pass it. I am going to pass it because Jeff Driscoll played. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Titans toppled Chiefs in Tennessee shootout. Hawk, run it to pass it. Um, pass. No reason. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run this one. Um, Brian Tannehill, all of a sudden, uh, franchise quarterback in Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe uh, it really was the Marcus Mariota problem, and that's why they uh, they couldn't win down there in Tennessee because the defense is pretty solid. Offense, not too bad either. But the <laughs> sad moment of this game, on a serious note, was my man Mitchell Schwartz. Went out with a knee injury, and uh, it broke up his streak of like uh. seven or 8,000 consecutive plays. Um, I know it was something that he talked about. I know it was something that he was um, thinking about. And although I'm going to be honest, I didn't want him to break my record. I definitely <laughs> wanted him to get over 10,000 snaps. And uh, it was hard seeing him have to come out, especially for an injury that um, – Knocked him out for a few plays, but he was able to come back. Oh, okay, so we can make fun of it then. That's what I was. You're only for. you only get one. You only get one stab at no, a consecutive you, snaps you, record yep, yep, during yep. your career yep. because it takes so long to put together. And so um, they lost, and I know he's having a tough night. And uh, we're thinking about him right now. Tough, tough day. Yeah, that was like I a weird way of saying I'm happy that my record was still in place. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely I would be a big liar if I said that I wasn't happy my record uh, is going to stand oh, for at least another few days. But um, I was hoping that me and Mitch would be the only two guys over 10,000. Yeah, if there was another guy. But you'd much rather be the only person over 10,000, correct? No, I'd totally be okay if it was me and Mitch, as long as he didn't have more than me because I'm super competitive. 10,000, 300. I know, I know how much pride I had in my record, and I know he had a lot of pride in his streak. And so yeah. um, having him go down, I know that, that was a tough one. One of the best tackles in football, Miss Schwartz. Uh, get well, brother. Hope everything's good. All right, what we got next? Hawk, you have one run left. Okay. Two games to choose from. Desperate Falcons defeat Saints 16-9. Dan Quinn lives to coach another day. Yeah, let's it. run that one. I picked the Saints to win this game 34-13 to because the Falcons are terrible. <laughs> Right, and people were talking about Dan Quinn being fired in the bye week. They didn't do that. Then all of a sudden, the Falcons look like a completely different football team in an away game, and they literally beat up on the New Orleans Saints. I don't know if it's a Falcons thing. I don't know if it's the same thing. And I don't know if Arthur Blank actually wants Dan Quinn's team to play well the rest of the season because I feel like they're going to fire him no matter what. So I'm just perplexed about the entire situation. But shout out to the Falcons. I've been giving a lot of crap to Dan Quinn. Clearly, the players love him because they were giving top effort. Bonus. Isn't it funny how in the NFL, as soon as a front office is like, all right, we're definitely firing this coach at the end of the season. Now we hope we're going to lose so that we can get a better draft pick. As soon as that happens, <laughs> they always start winning. Like uh, My first year under Eric Mangini, we started the season 1-11, and and we hired Mike Holmgren. And as soon as we hired Mike Holmgren, we won, we won the last four games of the year. We were 1-11 going into week Ugh. 13, and we won the last four games of the year. 
totally meaningless. All it did is ruin our draft status. We won those games, and they were going to fire Mangini no matter what. They ended up keeping him for another year, but then they ended up firing him. So, uh, shout out to NFL coaches who want to stick it to their former, uh, current, but about to be former front offices one more time by winning just enough games just to enough. screw their draft choices. I like it. Dan Quinn, coach of the year. <laughs> He's up there right now with Matt Nagy. <laughs> Can't forget about Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, also coach of the year. Yeah, the you got to win a game, game first. Really? He'll probably go beat the Patriots if they play him. Right. Run pass option is complete. Now it's time to talk Tomahawk catchphrase game. We talked about it a little bit with Cynthia. Uh, we got some pretty funny options. We're going to kick. Uh, there's multiple ways to skin a cat, but only one way to stuff a turkey. That's going for Thanksgiving week. That is amazing. Probably going to be the nail in the coffin of me and Joe getting fired. Uh, <laughs> other options, Joe. We have, oh, man. Now, that's a spicy meatball. I have a feeling that that's a John submission. Uh, <laughs> we have zip it up and zip it out. You can take that to the piggy bank. Doesn't look like Santa's coming down his chimney this year. I definitely need to reserve that one for the Christmas yeah, that's season. definitely Christmas season. Like trying to fit a sumo wrestler through a doggy door. We talked about that one. And all talk, no trousers is still in play. Listen, if you are listening, submit your request for what the Tomahawk catchphrase should be on social media at Tomahawk Show or hit the voicemail lineup. Or also, we'll be choosing this at the House of Blues in Cleveland on 11-13. So if you are listening to this and you are coming to the show, come with submissions because we will have a mic in the audience and we will choose at the live show the catchphrase of the week that me and Joe will use on the Thursday night football broadcast the following day. It is going to be epic and probably the best catchphrase game of all. This thing is honestly sweeping the nation. Uh, Maverick Carter is in on it. They, I was there when they explained to him what the catchphrase game was, and he could not stop laughing. He thought it was the funniest shit he's ever heard in his life. <laughs> uh, so I just know we got something special, man, out of nowhere, and it's – this is actually the funnest part of my week. I think we need to get LeBron to say this during oh. one of his interviews because then I think that would just take it over the top. If LeBron, if he went with the cucumber scientist <laughs> one, I would quit this show. Uh, absolutely. Easily. When when LeBron uses it, it's done. It's I'm dead. Retired. We're taking a two month sabbatical. Um, I don't even know what sabbatical means, but we're taking it for two <laughs> months. If LeBron uses any of the catchphrases. All right, well, I think that does it for this episode. Can I get the nod from the audience? Absolutely. This episode is over and brought to you by Uninterrupted. Again, join us 1113 at the House of Blues in Cleveland. Live show, 100th episode celebration, going to be lit. Tomahawk drinking game, all of that. No midweek show this week because we're traveling to Cleveland to get ready. We are rehearsing, and by rehearsing, I mean not rehearsing at all. It's going to be just a bunch of friends on stage and the crowd, other friends, having an awesome time in Cleveland, Ohio, the place where this thing started. That does it for this episode, Joe. You got any final thoughts? So I was in Oakland uh, on Thursday night watching the Chargers and the Raiders, and I really enjoyed watching John Gruden's faces on the sidelines. For those <laughs> of you that haven't caught any Raiders games in the last couple of years, John Gruden is not the type of coach that's you know marching up and down the sidelines and hollering at players and hollering at the refs. He just stands there on the sidelines and gives these amazing emoji faces <laughs> at the camera. And I'm wondering to myself, does John Gruden use photos of himself as emojis when he texts? <laughs> think about that one. That is a good one to think about. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. All right, well, that does it for the show. Cynthia, take us out. Joe, hawk yourself. <laughs>